Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. With the three things you need to know this hour, I'm Maria Chaleos first. Masks off. The Centers for Disease Control says if you are fully vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask inside in most places. Just before the CDC issued its policy, Utah's governor waived a mask requirement for the last week in public schools. Second, Utah is reporting 418 new cases of COVID-19 and six additional deaths 152 people are hospitalized. And third, Morgan County officials are warning people to stay off the railroad tracks. Two young teens were nearly struck by a train as they walked onto a bridge last night to take photos. A high today of 82 degrees, right now 79. And back to Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It is great to be with you today. Lots of good news happening. Uh, as we discussed in our last segment, uh, Utah was ranked number one, 14th year in a row for economic outlook uh, in the uh, report Rich States, Poor States, and uh, so many positive things happening. But as promised, we also want to make sure we're addressing the things uh, where we're not doing so well. And one of those that's a major concern to so many of us is. Uh, those who are facing homelessness, those that are dealing with addiction, uh, and often those uh, cycles get interwoven uh, and create a lot of despair. Uh, so really pleased to have joining us uh, on the line, Sean McMillan, who's the executive director of First Step House in Salt Lake City, uh, who uh, provides some services for those who are dealing with addiction, those who are, are on the streets and looking for housing. Uh, and uh, Sean, thanks for joining us today. Boyd, thank you for inviting me. Uh, look forward to uh, our conversation. Wonderful. So let's talk about First Steps House. Let's talk about the the mission. Uh, we know you're focused on uh, helping those that are struggling uh, really build lives, and it's it's kind of a full-scale assault on all the different areas that someone uh, would be dealing with. Tell us about it. Uh, that would be correct. I and mean, our our mission is to help people build lives, meaning, purpose, and recovery, and and we seek to accomplish that through our four pillars of service. Uh, one would be residential treatment. Uh, the other would be housing, medical services, as well as employment. And we have um, very distinct programs um, that that um, fill each of those each of those pillars. So. Um, we have uh, uh, three residential treatment programs, uh, two outpatient treatment programs. Uh, we're what's called di- dual diagnosis capable, mm-hmm. which means that we're um, able to serve individuals that meet criteria for uh, a mental health diagnosis, uh, which is the vast majority of people that we see. They're struggling with 
with very serious conditions, and it's aggravated by their substance use disorder. Uh, uh, a large portion of the people that we serve, um, their housing is unstable, or they meet criteria for um, being chronically homeless. And when I say house, their housing is unstable, they've, they've transitioned to us from the um, from one of the homeless resource centers, so they've transitioned to us from the Salt Lake County Jail, and and they don't have any place else to go. And and so part of our job is to help them find a place to live, find find a permanent home. And and so that's a big part of our job. Uh, and and another complicating factor for the individuals we serve is they they've got what are called comorbid health conditions, so mm. chronic health conditions like diabetes or heart disease, but also um, they suffered a shoulder injury, and because they were homeless, they never they were never able to get that treated. And, and so we've got to do a lot of work to help them get connected with health care providers. Uh, but we also want to help people become self-sufficient, and, and that means that we need to help people identify what their skill sets are and so that we can help them return to the workforce uh, and find a job that earns a living wage so that they can afford to live in our in our great state. Yeah, I, I think all of those things, and I, I really appreciate, Sean, the way you laid that out in terms of all of the interconnectivity of all of these things that that, that often we don't think about. Often we think, well, if you know, someone would just get their act together, they'd get off drugs, and then you know, life would be happily ever after. Uh, but so many of those are so interconnected. If they're if they're facing that insecurity in in terms of housing, if they aren't able to get the medical treatment they need, as you said, uh, that's a great example of a shoulder injury or something like that that you may not factor in, or diabetes. Uh, all of those interconnected things. Then uh, I love also that you have this idea that we also have to have the education employment component. So that uh, maybe some of the skills they missed out on or didn't develop while they were either on drugs or on the street, uh, getting them Mm -hmm. on a path where they Mm -hmm. can actually become a contributing member to society. Yeah, absolutely. And we have a very robust set of case management services. And and one of the tasks that our case managers spend time working on is, is helping individuals uh, get back into the trade that they um, had previously had. So electrician, plumber, mm-hmm. carpenter, uh, and and some some of those folks in the past had had license as an electrician or some sort of a credential, and and they they need to go through the bureaucratic process of of renewing those credentials, and and that's also part of all of that, uh, and and bureaucracy can be frustrating and, and those case managers are there to help those individuals negotiate that bureaucracy. Yeah. Again, something we don't think about that if someone maybe no longer has a driver's license or they've lost their uh, license to do plumbing or electrical work or whatever, maybe their profession was uh, haircutting, whatever it may be, uh, having a caseworker, having someone be able to guide them back or to make sure they can get to the right government institution to, as you said, get through some of that bureaucracy uh, is such a, a vital mm-hmm. part of this. And I, uh, again, I want our listeners to to really, this is one of those think again moments. We, we think we understand uh, addiction problems or the problem of those facing homelessness, uh, but there's a lot of it. And sometimes it is the the bureaucracy. Uh, and Sean, maybe you can just speak for a minute. We're just standing by. We're waiting for uh, President Biden to, to step to the microphone uh, to speak to the country um, but I want you to to address this idea of making sure these uh, folks who have dealt with addiction or homelessness that they 
it's so easy for them to get discouraged because they can't get to the right agency to get a, a license so they can go to work or they can go back to their job. Uh, just tell us about the casework that uh, is involved in making that happen. Well, it, 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 and I understand that you're going to have, you may have to break away. So I'll try and be quick. Um, uh, the, the case manager will sit down with the individual and get, a, get an employment history and, and you'll find out what they like about uh, what they liked about the work that they were doing in the past or or how they may want to um, test out uh, a new field. Um, uh, but when we have individuals who in the past were licensed as a plumber, um, they often don't know how to deal with the Department of Professional Licensing. And and um, they sometimes don't know how to how, they don't have the vocabulary either to to talk with that bureaucracy and. And so the case manager will uh, reach out um, preemptively to talk with the Department of Professional Licensing and and see what the hoops are that the individual has to jump through and um, get their hands on any of the necessary paperwork and then sit down with the person and – and uh, work through that paperwork. Uh, and, and very often we have to explain, we have to help the individual explain, you know, breaks, breaks in employment, you know. So, yeah. you know, the last four years I was homeless. And what we find, though, with, with the bureaucracy is that when, when someone takes the time to sit down and explain, you know, the, the Department of Human Services or, or Department of Professional Licensing will listen. Yeah. And, and they, don't, they don't change the rules. But, but they help individuals accomplish what needs to be accomplished so that they can return to the workforce and our community. Yeah, fantastic. Sean McMillan, uh, so appreciate your efforts uh, and your leadership there at First Step House in Salt Lake City. Uh, some great things. It's making a real difference uh, in a lot of individual lives and a lot of families. Uh, we appreciate your efforts, and thanks for joining us on the program today. Thank you, Boyd. All right, again, that's uh, Sean McMillan, Executive Director of uh, First Step House in Salt Lake City. Uh, And I hope you can just get a sense. Uh, I think many people who are either dealing with addiction or are facing uh, homelessness, they often run out of energy before they run out of opportunity. It can be so overwhelming to figure out how to get your plumber's license back or your haircutting license back or anything that will get you back into a job. Uh, And these services are absolutely vital. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.